You're listening to I Am Goddess Collective Podcast, a lifestyle podcast for the modern mystic woman, where we explore topics on spirituality, female empowerment, and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nixie Marie, and I will be here with you every Tuesday to sit together and rise, feel the energy of the sacred feminine, and explore what it means to be a goddess. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, sisters. Welcome back to I Am Goddess Collective podcast. I am very excited because we have a special guest on the show today. We are bringing in another warrior to share with us just that energy, that masculine energy that we we definitely need often as a as a woman. So we have Adam Rowe on the show today. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm really excited to dive into this with you. Yeah. Speaking of diving, actually, Adam Roa is a podcast host as well. He hosts The Deep Dive and uh, is a transformational artist who is committed to using creative energy to catalyze change on the planet. He is a modern day medicine, I was going to say medicine man, which you absolutely are. However, it reads here, you're a renaissance man. (laughs) So Adam is constantly creating a variety of artistic artistic projects, including conscious film, music, and spoken word poetry. He's on a quest to discover what it means to be an empowered man. And I believe that's what he's going to share with us today. So thank you. <laughs> thank you for being here. Yeah, let's, I'm, I think that less about even sharing and more about uh, getting into the discussion with an empowered woman like yourself, which I'm, I'm uh, a big part of my journey these days. Yeah, well, share us the beginning stages of your journey. Like, how did you find yourself uh, doing what you do now? Well, I've been in a committed monogamous relationship for basically the last 10 years. And so I was 23 when we met. Wow. Yeah, so all my previous relationships had been the... um, like high school, college age relationships (laughs) where I'd been cheated on and it was like mind games and just, um, I wouldn't say very mature. And uh, so when I met her, I was still in that space, but it evolved and we evolved together. And what I've come to realize is that my only actual safe relationship that I've ever had and experienced with the feminine is in this particular container with this particular woman. And she has in so many ways embodied the entire feminine for me. Mm. And my, what I could lean into and say, okay, this is the feminine. And it was, it's funny that you had that kind of Freudian slip around medicine man, because mm. it was in medicine ceremony where um, this kind of mission was given to both of us of there's a wow. creation that's happening right now on the planet between masculine and feminine energies. And we're seeing a lot of that as uh, manifest between men and women specifically, but it's really what's going on underneath that is just the masculine feminine polarities are uh, in a renegotiation as, as they step more into empowerment. And um, so what does that mean? What does that actually look like? on this planet and in order to really understand it and speak to it at the level that I feel I'm currently being given the opportunities and asked to speak to it, um, gotta get into it, gotta jump into the game. And um, so we've both decided to leave behind our 10 year relationship to go more deeply understand ourselves in 2018 and find that empowerment. And as a man, like how do I empower women without disempowering myself? How do I empower other men from a space of collaboration and cooperation instead of competition, which is how we've been raised? And all of these questions have been the beginning of this journey, you could say. That, that's mm-hmm. only been about two weeks. Which is so interesting oftentimes when we like have these time capsules, you know, that like two weeks could be like a year you know, in those experiences, I'm sure. Yeah. So when you speak of uh, the medicine that you, you experienced to have this like catalyst moment, what was that you were in ceremony for? Was it ayahuasca? I assume. Yeah. Ayahuasca. Uh, ayahuasca was a huge 
Um, she has been one of the greatest teachers in, in my life and in the relationship specifically that I've had with my partner. So what, what has that been like journeying with, with Aya for how long have you been since I think the ceremony? My first, my first ceremony was five, just about five years ago and it changed my life. I, I was the, I was more atheist than I was spiritual and I didn't um, have regular meditation practices. I wasn't a believer in the, you know, everything's energy and time mm -hmm. is not real. And like all of these things that I now believe, um, I didn't believe in any of that. And going into ayahuasca because I was having the most difficult year of my entire life and everything mm -hmm. was falling apart, everything I attached my identity to was crumbling as my ego dissolved over the course of a year. And out of sheer desperation, found myself in an ayahuasca circle. And uh, from pretty much one day to the next, was transformed. Wow, that's really powerful to hear. It sounds like you were kind of living in this like really 3D like box reality. And then you went, went and did the ceremony and just like blasted off into space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, I, I am a strong-willed, uh, some might say stubborn person in, in many regards. And I had this idea of what life was and how it worked and it just wasn't working. And so mm -hmm. my brain was, after it kept getting more difficult and more difficult, my brain started going, maybe I don't know. You know, like as everything fell mm -hmm. apart, like maybe I don't know how this thing actually works. And it was incredibly humbling. And, and from that place of humility, like, arriving on my knees saying, please, 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 please help me. And um, I'm open, I'm open to receiving. And that openness provided the crack that she fit into and burst, burst me open. And from that next moment, basically what had happened, cause I'm still an analytical, logically minded individual and all of the coincidences had added up to a point where it would have been more, it would have been less logical for me to assume it was all coincidence. Mm. <laughs> it just kind of, all of it added up in a way where it said, wow, it's, it's more logical that there is something else going on here that I can buy into and lean into. And since that moment, I just went all in. That's my mm. personality, obviously leaving it behind this 10 year relationship. It's just go all in when it feels right. And I turned that all in energy towards spirituality, personal development, esoterics, all of it to, um, as a new belief system. And it's worked out wonderfully to this point. That's amazing. So, and, and you work within, with men or women or what is your, so you have a coaching business or what does it kind of look like now that you've had this transformation and brought all these, these modalities into your life? How do you work with others? So I work with uh, I, both men and women, um, a lot, I would say about 50-50 in terms of the one-on-one -on -one clients that I've worked with. Um, I've led retreats and done small group coaching. It's kind of the, the traditional coaching world. Um, and recently, uh, as with this switch, um, the shift away from my, my relationship, I was entering into the world thinking, I was 40 year old virgin in a way. Like I've never seen the Tinder app. I don't know anything about how, what it, <laughs> when I was, when I was last single, I didn't even have a Facebook profile. And so wow. I didn't really feel a little bit alien when it comes to specifically the dating world, but also um, the conscious dating world and meeting other mm. people and not, not even around, not even from a sexual lens, but just creating intimate relationships with, with men and women. I've always had the safety net of my, my relationship that was so fulfilling that I didn't feel the need to learn how to create these intimate relationships with other people. And they would kind of just naturally happen sometimes and always with a limit to mm. the depth. And so I entered the first week thinking, okay, I guess I'm just going to download Tinder and do this and do this because we're going to film it. I'm creating a show around this because I think it's really important mm. that we, we have an archetypal reference point in media. There's a place for us to go and see someone 
giving us an example of how to approach this whole thing from a conscious perspective with awareness of what's going on internally throughout the journey. And so as I was filming it, I realized it's so disempowering to enter into the world thinking I don't know how to find my empowerment and I'm going to try and find it. And instead I switched the lens and said, well, if sexual energy is creative energy, which, which I believe, and it's something that's talked about a lot in the conscious circles, it's this life force energy. Then instead of entering into this chapter through the lens of sexual energy, what if I did it through the lens of creative energy? Because that's where I find my empowerment. Mm. I've toured a spoken word poetry show internationally on two different occasions. Uh, I have a music record that I haven't released yet. Um, and I've directed music videos in different types of film. And I feel so empowered when I'm doing that, when I'm creating art. And, and so what I've decided to do is enter into this conversation through the lens of the artist and, and art in general. And fun and play and so when you ask me who do i work with it's been a certain thing up until this point it's been people who know that there's another way to live life because i basically had that experience where wow there's a whole different way of doing this mm -hmm. and my life skyrocketed since then in all the traditional success ways that people evaluate like social influence and money and all of those things and now I want to catalyze creativity in people. I, I am so committed to finding people who are ready to let their inner artist shine. Hmm. Because I believe that creative energy is the purest expression of someone's soul. And so when you're in your creative genius and you're expressing it, your unique soul signature is coming out into the world. And that's important for the healing of us all. Hmm. Well said, brother. I love that. And I, I really believe that um, there's no difference between the sexual energy and the creative energy, because although it is a different energy, it's, it is actually through the power of both that we can use those to channel, you know, that creative flow or that sexual energy. And one of the, I, have you ever read the book, um, Think and Grow Rich? <laughs> yeah, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, and, and he talks a lot about like harnessing that sexual energy, right? And then utilizing it in other spaces. And so I was getting this vision of you actually doing that while you're doing this video and like filming and how you were talking about going on dates and just seeing how you are really um, sort of mastering that technique as a man. And I think that's a beautiful example to set for so many men out there um, that are you know, experiencing this, this new level and heightened level of awareness and wanting more in the conscious field and approach, but they're, you know, not sure how to, what to do with all this energy. So what would you say to, um, to a man today that is wanting to channel his sexual energy in, in a creative way? Ooh. I would say that the, the starting point is recognizing where the energy leaks are happening. And because the, we have a tendency as human beings to want to point energy in a particular direction and not being aware of the kinks in our hose, so to speak, that are either leaking energy out or preventing a really deep flow from occurring. And so when I say I want to point it at this creative project, am I still eating a bunch of crappy food? Mm. Am I still um, using alcohol or marijuana? And both of those things, by the way, I'm not opposed to. I don't drink, but I do smoke marijuana occasionally. The, am, am I using that as a way to numb my experience mm. as opposed to heighten my experience? And um, what about my physical health? Where am I at as far as my, my practices? Where about my mental and spiritual health? How am I in my, my clarity of meditation? And um, all of these things, these aspects, because I believe that we are hoses. So creativity to me, creative energy exists out there as frequency. And so our role is like a radio transmitter where it's simply about tuning ourselves to the station that we want to receive and the station we want to broadcast. And 
in order to, and so like a hose, once we've connected ourselves to the tap, then it's about allowing that creative energy to flow through us and out into the world. Mm -hmm. And what happens is usually when we have a creative idea, we say, wow, that's amazing. We're shifted internally on a cellular level where it's like, this is an idea that I have and I'm excited. But as it passes through people, it's going to pick up all of the crap on the way out. It's going to pick up fear and it's going to pick up doubt and it's going to pick up the insecurity and it's going to pick up the things that are out of alignment, like the way we're eating or how we're using certain substances or how we're treating sex and the sexual alchemy that we have with other individuals. And it's going to pick that up so that the thing that we ultimately create in tangible form in this 3D will be embedded with all of that lower frequency, higher density um, aspects of ourselves. And so I think as a creative, for me, the process is not just about how do I funnel my creativity towards something, because that's the, to me, the easiest part is like, oh, I have this idea and I'm just going to start doing it. It's also how do I honor the integrity of the idea itself through my day-to-day -day way of being as I'm working on the creative project. Mm. I love that. I'm kinking our hoses over here <laughs> on I Am God's Collective Podcast. <laughs> it's part of a, I teach a, um, a program called Unlock Your Inner Artist. And that program is uh, following these four steps, which is unkinking, unkinking the hose connecting it to the actual source code, the tap of the frequency mm. of the creative idea, turning the, the water on and really increasing the amount of water that's coming through the hose, the amount of creative energy. How do we, um, how do we harness it and cultivate more of it? And then lastly, how does it leave the hose into the world? Cause you can put like a sprinkler on it or one of those gun nozzles or whatever. There's a unique expression of you that is the final piece of this because you and I can be tapped into the same frequency of idea and it's still going to pass through us into the world differently. Absolutely. So yeah. Know, those four steps are the foundation to the program that I teach. That's awesome. Super epic. Cause I, I also love that you add that like uniqueness to it because I fully believe, you know, if you, have you ever caught yourself like in a conversation and you're having this download come in about an idea and then you're talking about it with someone and it's like they had the same idea. Mm -hmm. And you, I feel like when we're in these scenarios and these situations experiencing this, like this wave of source come through us and, but, but then there's that, well, if they're going to do it or if somebody else is going to do it, then I don't need to do it or yeah. it, it, it's, it's already been done. Yeah. So, you know, I know that that conversation often comes up for people when they see other people doing something that they really feel passionate about or they want to do. And uh, what would you what would you say or some advice or tips you could offer for people who actually like have those blocks, you know, and think that there's not enough of their audience or something out there? Yeah, I think that there's two aspects to this. One is. Um, even if I, you gave 10 people the exact same idea, it would turn out differently. And so right now I'm on a Mac uh, doing this. I don't know if you're on a Mac, but I'm on a Mac and there's people listening. Yeah, I'm to on the Mac. I'm on the Mac fix. Yeah, the exactly. Apple got me. There, there are some <laughs> people who are listening to this on a PC or an Android, right? And those people are so happy that they're not on a Mac. And I'm so happy that I'm not on a PC anymore. And how, what a different world if, um, you know, Steve Jobs was just like, well, there's computers already. Like, what's the point? <laughs> computers already exist. There's no reason for me to, to dive into that world. Yeah. Um, options are not a, a bad thing. And I think that ideas are not our birthright. So the reason why many people will have the same idea at the same time, um, and you hear about this, you hear about this with like the airplane and the Wright brothers, we know the Wright brothers, there were other people working on that at the same time because it's in the, the, uh, uh, the M field, it's in the resonance of the collective and it's not your birthright. So if you don't act upon it, someone else will attune to it and act upon it because it's mm. in the field. And I think the, the fear that people run into when they're in the space of, oh, someone else has that idea, 
is they haven't yet fully owned their unique expression. When the more that you own your unique creative energy and your unique soul signature on this planet, the more you recognize that no one else can do what you can do. Even if it's the same idea, it will not be what yours will be. And that's part of owning the artist within because as an artist, we say, oh, I'm claiming my authentic voice. I'm claiming my uniqueness. That's a huge part of all of this is the recognition that, that I am a 100% sovereign, unique individual and anything I choose to turn my attention to will be entirely unique, even if it at its core is the same idea. And so anyone who's thinking right now, I have this idea, but someone else is doing it. Start to focus on how unique you are. Start to think about all the ways in which you see things differently than other people. Start to pay attention to what your special attributes are that you're proud of. And if you focus more and more on those things, you're going to start to see everything through the lens of how you could uniquely lend your essence to it. Yeah, exactly that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, You know, you had spoken earlier about empowering women and empowering men and like what that looks like. So I'd love to really shift the conversation into what, what your perspective of a conscious man is and, and how you're learning what that looks like and how you see empowering men and empowering women. Like just, I want to see the like painted picture of it all. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing is uh, we were talking before we started recording and I'm saying how I don't really feel like a teacher Uh, Mm -hmm. and a lot of people have referred to me as their teacher or whatever. And I, I was really excited about that for years. It's like, yeah, I, I get, I'm lit up when I'm teaching and I'm sharing. And, um, now I'm letting go of the teaching because I have no idea about so many of this, right? I feel like the alien who just landed on a spaceship and it's like, okay, what is it? what's going on here? I'm in this body. So that makes me a man here. So what does, right. And I'm in the exploration. What I can say is the reason why I feel so passionate about sharing my journey through media and inviting people into that and having podcast discussions like this is because of one main characteristic that I think is a critical part of being a conscious individual in today's day and age, which is simply a openness and willingness to discuss and entertain new ideas Hmm. like that that simply because i also see it by the way in this quote unquote new age conscious community where there's a oh this is the right way of doing things like um so i've been in a, a monogamous relationship but i'm very close friends in the the polyamorous communities right a lot of the poly community, I'm not even going to say a lot, some of the poly community I have seen take on this role of poly is an evolved way of living. Mm-hmm. And, totally. And the moment that you take on this hierarchical, this is the right thing, this is the more evolved thing, uh, it's, it's taking on an energy that is actually old paradigm of this is the way things should be done, the shoulds. And... So for me, I'm, I'm letting go even of the archetype that I've been holding as a teacher and saying, I'm now completely a student and an artist, those two things. And all I can do is learn and then share my learning through the lens of art. Mm. And that, that's what I'm committed to. And I think that the conversations, being able to have a conversation with you and say, listen, I don't fully know, but what I do know the starting point is, is being able to have the conversation without taking it personally. And the only reason I would take it personally is if I've, I've attached myself so deeply to an idea or to a belief structure that it's now part of my identity. And so when you question it and when you bring something up that's different, I'm now saying, wow, she's actually threatening who I am and who I know myself to be instead of saying, wow, she's presenting something that is different than what I believe. I wonder if there's some truth there. I wonder if there's some validity. I wonder if the fact that I'm getting triggered means that there's absolutely something I can learn from her in this conversation. 
So that's the starting place right now that I think every one of us can, can really look at and ask the question, am I open to being completely shifted in everything that I believe? And this is a huge part of plant medicine for me because the number of times I've entered into a plant medicine ceremony, being one person and leaving completely different is, is countless. And because of that, I've learned that nothing I believe can really be set in stone. <laughs> Tomorrow, everything I'm saying to you now could be completely different. That's happened to me before. Absolutely. So it gives me a malleability to who I am that I used to think was weak. You know, when I was in my, my, my teens and, and college, it's like, be certain of who you are and be grounded in that. And now I find strength in my malleability. Hmm. You highlighted so many really amazing points there, just as far as, it kind of blew my mind for a minute because I was thinking that you were going to kind of come on here and you'd have like a description of what a conscious man would look like or what an individual who embodies this, this conscious way of being. And I think there's, I really think that there's truth to like what we all perceive it to be. However, I love how you approached it with this like openness and this, um, just a very, it was a very creative way of expressing something that I think in that new age conscious community, there is a lot. And I talk about this a lot and on the podcast, we actually just had an interview with uh, Freedom Franklin and she was talking about false light codes and all these things, you know, and it's like, there is a lot of that going on where there's like this per like perceived energy of how we're supposed to be if we are considered spiritual or, um, you know, considered to be in the conscious community. And a lot of what I see is, is like the same high school bullshit that I saw when I was in high school. And, you know, it really triggered me and triggers me when I see that because I, I just, I'm like a very open, I want to be in so many different tribes as you were asking me earlier, like, oh, are you in this tribe and that tribe? I'm like, I actually feel like I'm in all the tribes because I, I feel myself, you know, we're all one in that unity. So when we come from a space of, you know, surrounding ourselves with that, um, that energy of like, I don't just go over to my hippie circles because I, I feel more comfortable in those for sure. But my mission now is to actually put myself in uncomfortable situations where like my hippie inner witch self would be like, judgment on a massive level, you know, these people aren't conscious, they're not drinking green, you know, whatever, so that I can break through the, the judgment. And I think that's kind of where like, I was hearing in your in your conversation about what this looks like is sort of similar in, in that regard. Yeah. And I would say that I consider myself a conscious man. I and here I am as a conscious man saying most of the men that I'm sitting in men's circle with most of the men that I coach people who are my friends who um, have massive social media followings and do men's work and stuff. We're all figuring it out. Hmm. We're all figuring it out. And yeah. it tells you differently is, um, is at best disingenuous because how, so any, any archetypal reference point that we have right now for what it means to be in a healthy conscious relationship or what it means to be a conscious man or a conscious woman in today's day and age is built upon the energetics and reference point of everything we've been living in, which mm. most people would agree is the manifestation of the wounded masculine and wounded feminine that we have the, the wounded masculine has acted out in a way that has suppressed the feminine energy and the feminine voice so drastically that now we have systems in which you almost can't win if you're primarily operating through feminine energy. You have to entrain into a masculine system in order to get ahead in business or do this or do that because we've, we've done that. And that's not because of an empowered masculine. That's a wounded masculine who felt threatened by a feminine way of being and who felt like we know best. And so you're going to do it this way. And there's a, there's wounded aspects of the feminine that were brought to the surface in reflection to the wounded masculine. 
And so the systems and structures and ways of being and the, the media that has been portrayed and our reference points and what we've seen and associated with as what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman, all has come through a lens of wounding. And now what's happening on this planet is we're seeing a reignition of empowerment. And we're seeing that in many ways, uh, the charge has been led by women. We're seeing women claim their voice and their empowerment. And now that's giving men an opportunity to see, okay, where's our wounding here? Where's the part of me that is triggered by seeing women's empowerment? Or where's the part of me that doesn't know how to still be empowered if I empower the women around me? Where is that showing up? And recognizing that my entire identity as a man has, up until this point, been in a collective energy of wounded masculine and wounded feminine. And the moment we can own that, the moment we can say that is what has happened, we can now take a proactive approach to shifting that. And we can shift that by saying, great, so what does it look like to be empowered? Instead of coming from wounding, what does it look like to be empowered? Because the pendulum is swinging and my greatest hope is that it doesn't swing so far in the other direction. I see things like, um, and I don't know, maybe this will be triggering to you or people listening. This would be great. We can go there. But I see sh like these shirts that say the future is female. And that, that bothers me so deeply because what would it look like to say, to see someone wearing a shirt saying the future is male? Mm -hmm. it would, it, like you would, so many women would be out of their minds upset about that. Why is it different to have a shirt that says the future is female? We're not, the, the future is not putting either of those things ahead of the other. It's not. Yeah, the, I actually yeah. fully agree with you on that. I feel like I don't even classify myself as a feminist because I feel like I, feminism has gotten us a certain way, like it's gotten us to a certain point, but it also really demasculated the men. And so now what I have been like shown is that we must build a new woman who comes from a, an empowered place of like grace and, you know, just coming from a place of forgiveness too for, for the man who have suppressed us for so long. And it, it isn't female because we are, we are needing to step into balance. So we need both. And that's why, you know, when you asked to come on, it was like, yes, because we want more of that energy to be in this collective in this energy so that we are coming back into balance and in harmony and so i i definitely have a very strong opinion on that as well i don't i don't support the future is is female shirts you know i think it's just like really and well here's the thing as as a man i can also see part of what's happening and part of what's happening is there's an intoxicating nature to power Oh yeah. Right. There's an intoxicating nature to power. And so as certain women are feeling power, perhaps for the first time at this level in their entire life, that intoxicating nature of that power, if is, is so insidious and so nuanced. And as a man, I know it because I've been born into a society where it's given to me much easier than it's given to women. And I recognize that. And so my plea is, as women, can you take this empowerment and not let the pendulum swing so far in this other direction where now the empowerment becomes self-entitlement? where the empowerment becomes a I know better. And that's a huge, huge thing because women have codes, let's go into that realm, but like women have codes that are only alchemized when they're in the presence of masculine energy and vice versa. And I believe that the, the future we actually want to see is one where we are all in our fullest, most empowered expression. And because of the polarity, um, the nature of reality being in, in polarity, the, the masculine and feminine need each other to be their fullest expression. And we're seeing things like, are you familiar with men going their own way? No, what is that? So men going their own way are basically a, an, an ever-growing group of men. It's a hashtag. I think it's M-G-O-T-W or whatever. It's a hashtag. 
of men who are swearing off women. They, they, they are refusing to hire women. They're refusing to date women. They're refusing to, they just do not feel safe. By the way, this is an ex, not something that they hate women. This is an expression of not feeling safe. Business owners who are worried that they'll get sued for sexual harassment, men who mm. are at, like, I talked to a guy who's single and he was telling me, bro, it's crazy out there right now. I'm in the space where I actually like, it's this moment of intimacy with the person and I want to be a man and just kiss her. But now I ask like, is it okay for me to kiss you now? There are wow. websites that have websites that have contracts for consensual sex because things are happening where, um, to, to a man and a woman have gotten drunk, had sex consensually. And then, um, the woman said on the other side of that, I didn't, I was too drunk. And the court ruled in favor of her saying that the man was responsible to know, even though he was also drunk, that she was too drunk to consensually agree to sex. So now there's contracts that you can have someone sign saying we both agree to have sex. I don't think anyone wants to live in that future. I don't well, think. No, not at all. Not no. at all. It's, it's the same thing as this like me too movement. You know, at first I was like, Oh, this feels really powerful. And then I got a deeper understanding of where it was coming from. And it was like, come on, no, this is a victim conversation. And how are we going to shift out of it? You know, it's like, it's, this is exactly the result of what a feminist has created. Right. It, and this, this like nuance of, I love how you said it, intoxicating nature of power. You know, we've all, in a sense, we feel that power, like making more money, having more podcast views, having more likes on Instagram, like all of that stuff. You can feel it come in where it's like, oh, there's that ego, you know, and then you're just kind of, you have to really take a pause and ask myself, like, where, what's my intention, you know, and that what you just said is so powerful because it's bringing an awareness to the world outside that women could be creating that's creating more cage like structures for us to live in and we don't want to we definitely don't want to live in that no i don't yeah. sign up to that there's completely a, delete that timeline wait <laughs> a cancel delete. and there's a thing that so the reason why i'm optimistic is because the power has been with men and now women are stepping into that power. And I think there's a uh, inherent uh, nurturing aspect to women, this forgiveness, this mother energy that uh, is so powerfully present in women. That is a necessary component of this, this, this paradigm shift if we're going to arrive in balance because at some point there needs to be forgiveness. At some point in this, this pendulum swing, there gets to be a, a massive collective forgiveness that happens. And my, this is my truth, uh, whether it's anyone agrees with me or not, I believe that the most likely space that that's gonna come from is women. I believe just inherently that mother energy, women have the ability to forgive men for what has been happening on the planet for as long as it has and see the value that's also been there as far as um, so much of the progress that we all enjoy, the fact that we're on this podcast through this technology and this really scientific, logical, practical, we're going to force it and happen masculine energy that's gotten us also a lot of valuable things. I think that I think women have the ability to forgive at a deeper level than men. That's just my, my belief. And, um, and because of that, um, and that's not to say that men can't forgive. I've seen incredible compassion and heart from men, but men also have to overcome that like warrior, like right. instinct, like this person's coming at me and that biological protector that comes out. And so I, I believe that, I'm optimistic because there's an opportunity here as we shift for there to be forgiveness on both sides that, that women can, can embody at a level that, that men can see their, their mother in, that the men can see their lover in. That's just so um, unique. And so that, that gives me hope because the Me Too movement was fantastic and has been fantastic for doing the number one most important first step, which is shining a light of awareness on the issue. Mm -hmm. Without awareness, we can't change it. 
And so awareness gives us that choice. And now we're going to collectively start to make some choices. And we're seeing this potential timeline fork of sex contracts and, and, you know, in Japan where you hire someone to cuddle you and, and stroke your hair because they're, they're, this is the first generation where they're having so much less sex that the, the population is actually going to go down because they're, the interaction is just, is just dying. A combination of, of the technology and the screens in front of us, but also the, the masculine feminine energies and what's happening on this planet. And it's just so important to me. It's so important to me for us to find a healthy balance. And, and I think that the awareness that the Me Too movement has given us is fantastic. And now let's, how do we make sure it doesn't become yeah. a power game and just be, fall into the density of what's already been on this planet? It's the same thing. And we're seeing some of it. I'm not going to lump all of the movement into that. We're seeing some of this where now it's the same thing that men have done. It's the same thing that men have done. It's just that women are doing it. Yeah. And it's important to not say just because women are doing it, it's okay. It's saying, no, this is the same thing that's been happening that's not healthy. How can we be in a healthy conversation? And that comes back to the original point of let's just say that we don't know. Let's just be honest about it and say, I'm not 100% sure on what it looks like to walk through the world and and help empower women fully and truly without disempowering myself and standing in my truth as a king. I don't fully know what that means. I have ideas and I'm going to have conversations like this and I'm going to have more like this and more like this and more like this and take it in and be willing to be malleable in the conversation. Hmm. I'm just like breathing in all of that. There's, there's this one word that I just want to pull back out because it's interesting you brought up and it's forgiveness. And um, when I was doing my deep initiation of, okay, working, I'm going to work with women. I'm going to come from a space of letting go of the old patriarchal bullshit that has really, you know, suppressed us as women going through that work like doing the deep healing around that wound of being burned at the stakes like you know all of those stories and when i was going in that work i was out in joshua tree which is a very magical spot in california where you can go out in the you know middle of the desert and have these really profound experiences like every time i'll go out there it's this really deep profound breakthrough and I was actually not taking any sort of medicine throughout this journey. It was just, a, I'm going on a hike and I'm going to speak to the land. And I was sitting on this rock and I was looking out on this vast land and I had a whole like let past life flashback of being the medicine woman of this tribe and how I had watched my tribe and seen all the men and everyone just like coalesce and, and be this beautiful collaborative tribe. And then all of a sudden this thing came through me of like I saw war happen and it was just like all of a sudden we're in destruction and anger and like all of that came up for me. And so I, I got out my phone and I recorded this, this healing that I, or this channeling, whatever it was, it was just like this needs to come through me. And what I had said was, it's time we forgive our men and move forward. And it was like, I mean, more than that, but the root of it was like, the forgiveness is the only way. And that was the biggest download I think I've received. So going forward in my work, I was just like, well, you know, we get to come from that place and we don't get to be angry at the masculine anymore, but it, it isn't, it's so much easier said than done because when we get triggered as women, we're like, oh, hell no, you are taking me, my voice away. Like, let me speak. And I was totally just triggered like a couple of weekends ago with an experience with a man and I, I absolutely raised my voice and I was like angry because he wouldn't listen to me, you know? So it's so much easier said than done. But I think that these practices of, you know, the way they show up in certain scenarios or just having these conversations about forgiveness. I think if anybody here listening is can take away like what Adam's really bringing to this, this conversation is, is that forgiveness and 
forgiving ourselves for not knowing, forgiving ourselves for the past, like doing a complete like rewrite of, of all the things that we've, this wounded masculine and this wounded feminine has brought in. So. Yeah, you spoke, that's beautiful. And you, you touched on a point that is really important, which is forgiving ourselves. And so it's not, we've been speaking a lot and this happens uh, in these conversations where it becomes, you know, men and women, but really underneath that, it's the masculine and the feminine. And we each have that inside of ourselves. And so what we're talking about is um, there's a wounded feminine in me that gets to forgive the masculine aspects of myself that have turned a blind eye to, to that feminine energy in myself and suppressed it and repressed it. And the same thing in, in women, there, there is in uh, an anger, call it a righteous anger or, or whatever it is, there's the hurt feelings, all of the emotions towards the masculine within women. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, and the same within the masculine in myself, I went through a period where of recognizing that there was a part of me that felt like I was the bad guy. Like there was a part of me that shut down my masculine energy because I had taken on this belief that the masculine energy had caused all the world's ills. And when we're talking about healing and forgiveness, forgiveness is the most powerful action that we can take because it immediately transmutes energy into love. Mm -hmm. Immediately. All the anger, like everything that's been there, all the anger, sadness, all of that, when forgiveness is there and you truly forgive, you've transmuted all of it into love. And it, think of what could happen on this planet if we can take that instantaneous transmutation through the collective from all of that wounding and turn it into a space of love. And it's like, I see you and I'm on that process. And I think it starts individually mm -hmm. and it starts within myself as I learn to forgive my masculine, as I learn to embrace my feminine, all of those things. And that's part of the journey that I'm on. And so forgiveness, I'm, I'm so glad that you said forgiving ourselves because it's not just between forgiving someone outside of ourselves, it's forgiving the aspects of ourselves that we are seeing reflected outside of ourselves. Mm. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, it's also really freeing. It's like you, you grow wings when you, give, you have forgiveness of the self, because we all screw up, we all make mistakes. We're human after all, you know? And I think that when we really, do the work on forgiveness of ourselves, we begin to see the world a lot differently because it's no longer, you know, we're not caged in fear or guilt or shame. We are just kind of walking a path of not caring too much about what others think, or it's just an overall, this sense of freedom. And I, I totally get that because I've been there. I've been in like the shame, the, the guilt, the self beat up, the self sabotage, and often arises, you know, and catches me off guard sometimes. But I think that when we really come back to that place of this like foundational um, aspect, I always like to look at when we're creating these foundations of our lives, it's like building a house, like how, what are we gonna build our house on? Are we going to build it on, you know, hay or, or, or like a slope that might not be safe? Like, no, we're going to build it on, you know, integrity. We're going to build it on forgiveness and passion, love. And then from there we rise up and that's really it. You know, from, from, from that space, I feel like anything is possible for us to really create this like new paradigm that we're, we're speaking about right now. Hmm. <laughs> I 100% agree. And I would say that one of the biggest things that I've learned recently that's really stuck with me is that biologically um, what happens for, so for a man um, to carry out my lineage, my DNA biologically to survive for myself is spread, spread my seed, right? To have, have babies right. with a variety of women. That's like a biological animal thing that, that goes on in, in a male body. And what's interesting about this is that the, the woman, especially after, um, after menopause and where the woman can no longer have babies, the survival of her DNA, the survival of, of her lineage is now dependent on the collective. 
the, the actual survival of her offspring is dependent on the survival of the collective. When the collective thrives, her offspring now have the greatest chance of surviving. And so there's a shift that happens uh, in women. And um, I can't remember who, it was a podcast that I was here, I was listening to this biologically where inherently the, the thriving of the collective becomes the priority of elder women, much more so than it ever becomes the priority of any man. The thriving of the collective on a biological level becomes the priority uh, for elder women. And so it gave me an entirely new, profound respect for elder women and the fact that they are coming from a space oftentimes of what actually is the best for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I know, cause I've coached a lot of them, how many elder women are carrying the wounds, mm -hmm. carrying the wounds. And so I think the combination of those two things right now, this is my current theory that I'm, I'm, and again, I'm just in the exploration, not knowing, but my current theory is in supporting women in healing the wounds and that forgiving so that this generation of elders elder women can help guide the way so this like understanding from men it's like wow they actually biologically may have better insight into how we can thrive as collective and understanding that in order for them to have the that lens it will take a forgiveness and a healing process around the wounding that has been picked up along the way and so those two things are currently uh, a very high priority for like where my mind is focused because like I said at the beginning of this, I'm still a logical analytical. I think science is just a language that helps us understand this reality. Mm -hmm. And so if, if that's a key for us, let's have it work for us. How can we, how can we optimize that switch that happens in a woman's mind when suddenly the collective and the community becomes the key piece to her offspring survival? It's really interesting you bring that up because uh, it is a very Native American view on how we all play a role in this, this society and in, in the tribal cultures, you know, and I've always looked to elders in the sense of they, like I have a lot of mentors and healers that I work with that are elders and I always want to go to the elders to learn because they do have that wisdom and it's, it's a rite of passage. So I really love that you brought that up because it's not like that conversation. We've had like the mother, um, the crone, the mother and the, the maiden conversation, you know, and the goddess and how that really is really like we can harness all of those energies, but there's, there's so much to be said. And I, I like this, this uh, theory you're playing with very much. <laughs> so I, have a question for you before we wrap this up as our show comes comes to a close it happens really fast <laughs> um so because our audience is a lot of women we have some men i'm sure listening but because they're mostly women here what would you say to to women uh at this moment coming from the words of a of a spoken word poet conscious man mm. Can I, can I, do we have five minutes for me to do a poem? Absolutely. I would love for you to share your, your poetry. Yeah, this, this would be, um, this says more than I could, could articulate otherwise. You are who you've been looking for. So stop looking for more unless you're looking in a mirror because it's about time for you to see clearly that you are who you've been looking for. And that empty feeling you got, that hole in your chest, you only got that feeling because you think you're not blessed with everything you need. You see, we live in a consumerist society, which means they need you to buy stuff. And the easiest way to sell it is to tell you you're not enough. Buy this car, you'll get girls. Buy this bra, you'll get guys. And we're seeing it so much that we start believing these lies, but the truth is, the makeup they're selling to make you feel prettier is the same makeup you buy to stop feeling shittier about this lie they keep telling you that you are not enough. And what about the movies we watch, all the shows on TV? The more I watch, the more I see. I need you to complete me. Huh. 
And yes, love is the answer, love is the key, but if you can't love yourself, how can you ever love me? And loving yourself, what does that even mean? Like massages and selfies and that sort of thing? Because the more I think about it, the more it feels weird. I've always been taught that self-love was something to be feared. I've been taught that arrogance is bad and vanity, it's not good, and even my bracelets are telling me to act how Jesus would. So what should I do? How should I act? I'm supposed to love myself, but how do I even do that? Well, I got a trick that I picked up from a friend who noticed that I was quick to defend her when she would say something negative about herself. She'd say, I'm so dumb, and I'd say, you're so brilliant. She'd say, I'm so weak, and I'd say, you're so resilient. And when she said, I feel ugly, and I said, you look beautiful, she asked me why I was so dutifully filling up her cup constantly and yet treating my own cup so irresponsibly. Because when I looked in a mirror, my voice was quite clear. You're ugly, you're too thin, your hairline's receding, and you got a pimple on your chin. And that was when she gave me a piece of advice that changed my life. She gave me a hug and she said, treat yourself like someone you love. Treat yourself like someone you love. And I had been standing, but I needed to be sitting because I couldn't believe that I had been letting myself keep forgetting that I was who I'd been looking for. And deep in my core, I knew it was time to stop looking for more until I could look through all my fear and look into a mirror and see clearly that the man looking back at me is the only one who can make me happy and I am already enough. And I'm not any more special or unique than you. That's why I'm here to speak to you. You are already enough. And when you start to see that, you will start to be that. Your world will get brighter, your load will get lighter, and you can see that with this life, you can be a lover, not a fighter. And that life, you deserve it. Because you are worth it. And there's no point in letting yourself keep forgetting because no matter what you say or do, you are perfect. And so today, I hope I leave you with a direction correction away from the flaws you see in your reflection. They aren't flaws to me. They are simply protection against all the doubts you have of your perfection. So start today. Take a good, long look in the mirror and say, I am who I've been looking for. I think we're allowed to take a long pause after that one on this podcast. <laughs> wow, brother. I just had some emotion, like tears, just so much. I'm like sweating. I'm like feeling all of that just pulsating through. We could have had you on and just literally say that. <laughs> but wow. Yeah, I just want to remind people that your capacity to love others is limited only by your capacity to love yourself. And so... All of this, everything we talked about, all of the nuances and the depth and the forgiveness and all of it comes back down to how much can you love yourself? How much can you forgive yourself? How much can you recognize how awesome you truly are? And when you embrace that and you embody that, you give permission to other people around you to shine and to love themselves. And that will just spread like wildfire. And so no matter where we went with this conversation, I always want to ground it back to that and invite you to take, take as much time as needed to let that sink in and fall more deeply in love with yourself moment by moment. Mm. One of the quotes that I have on my desk is lift others by loving myself. Mm. Beautiful. Adding to that in so many ways. Thank you so much for being here and bringing on your everything that you are. It was such a gift and an honor. And I know that there's going to be, I just feel that there's so much of this conversation that's going to resonate with, with the audience here. And, uh, my last final question for you is, what does it mean to be a warrior? To me, being a warrior means being willing to show your heart. And standing for the truth of your heart, even when it's hard. Yeah. 
Well, I, I feel like this whole conversation has been just a conversation that was led by your heart and thank you for sharing it. So what are, what music are we going to leave uh, the audience with today? Can I just give it to you, the name of it on, yes. on Spotify? Yes. Tell us the name yeah. and the artist. Yeah. It's called The Few Things by J.P. Sachs and that's S-A-X-E. And I actually heard this song just for the first time last night. Um, I'm about to embark on a month of travel and I'm seeing, I saw my ex, um, you know, of 10 years uh, last night and we were listening to some music and that song came on. And um, one of the lines in that song is, you are, uh, you are one of the few things that I'm sure of. And that line really just like hit me so deeply and it's part of the chorus, but you are one of the few things that I'm sure of and recognizing how little I actually feel sure of certain aspects of life right now that I didn't even think about until being on my own um, and how, yeah, she has been that for me. And um, so this is, yeah, I listened to it and cried this morning. So like, it just feels appropriate to share it on this podcast. Perfect. And where can everyone find you, Adam? I have a lot of online real estate. Uh, I would say adamroa.com is the hub. Um, but you can find me on Facebook, Adam Roa. You can find me at Instagram, adam.roa. You can find me on YouTube and Twitter. It's all under Adam Roa. And then, of course, I have my podcast, The Deep Dive with Adam Roa, which is available wherever you get your, your podcasts. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And uh, everybody, please enjoy a few, the few things by JP Sachs. Yeah. The awesome. few I love you, sisters. I hear you. I see you. Until next time. Bye. Thank you very much. I don't say what's on my mind quite as much as you like me to. I've been hearing that my whole life, I promise it's not just you. But I so confidently want you That when you say you're insecure about my feelings I don't take you serious But if you need me to tell you more You're one of the few things that I'm sure of You're one of the few things that I know already I could build my world of One of the few things that I'm sure of And I want you to unravel me Come closer, come closer Come closer, come closer I don't say what's on my mind quite as much as you like me to Yeah And often when I'm quiet you worry I'm hiding from you And I know I keep a lie to myself But still you're more a part of me than anybody else So if you need me to tell you
come closer 